0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is by Pastor Dean Bernke. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The base of our sermon, as I mentioned earlier, is the epistle for tonight, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11. I'm assuming that all of you have flown at one time or another. Maybe some of you are what we call frequent flyers. But when you're at the airport, have you ever been at the terminal when either your plane or another plane is late? Now, quite often, people break out in at least four different groups. As they sit in a terminal and they're waiting for that plane, there are those groups we could call the pushers. They're the ones that push for information. They're the type of person that's constantly going up to the counter and asking, when is the plane going to be here? I've got to know when the plane is going to be here. See, pushers demand information as if knowing is going to cause that plane to fly faster. And then there are the doubters. They're the ones who sort of sit down to feet. They're the ones who say, if it does come, it's never going to come. And if it does come, there's going to be something wrong with the plane. And then we're going to have to switch planes. And we're just basically stuck here for a long time. And then there are a group called the players. They're the ones who say, well, the plane's late. Let's go down, have a few drinks, watch some games, have something to eat. As long as we're here, let's make the best of it. And then there are the encouragers. They're the ones who say, true, we don't have an arrival time, but the plane is on the way. We need to be alert because it could show up at any time. So what kind of person are you when it comes to waiting for a plane to come? But I guess we could say more importantly, what kind of person are you when it comes to waiting for Christ to come? those pushers they're the ones who need exact dates exact times there's a man called edgar wizenant he was a nasa engineer and he used his mathematical skills to set a date for christ's return he wrote a book and called 88 reasons why the rapture will happen in 1988 and he was so certain that Jesus would return on September 10th, 1988, that he said, quote, if I'm wrong, then scripture is mistaken. You see, he knew for certain that Jesus was going to arrive on that day. But if you were looking at Mark 13 tonight, and there Jesus says that the angels don't know and Jesus himself doesn't know, but interestingly enough, Edgar Wisnant did know. September 10th, 1908, came and passed, as we, knew, as we know, and the old saying held true, that if at first you don't succeed, fail and fail again. So he wrote a second book, claiming that he forgot that the calendar didn't start with year one, but with year zero. So he said he was a year off. Well, obviously, he failed again. No one knows. Paul said, Brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, there's only one other time in the Bible that these two words, times and dates, appear together. And that's Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And there, you may recall, Jesus told his followers, it's not for you to know the dates or times the Father is set by his own authority. You see, the apostles at that point were asking Jesus for details about the future. And Jesus made it clear that the duration between his first coming and his second coming are hidden from view. And Paul also said, the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Now, there's not a whole lot of times I think that we describe Jesus as a thief. But Paul, you know, isn't the only person to describe Jesus' return in that way. In fact, Jesus himself uses that picture of a thief coming at night and catching many unawares. If you look at Luke chapter 12. And twice in the book of Revelation, we read, I will come like a thief. So how does a thief come? Well, he comes unexpectedly, right? He comes when we are unaware. A thief doesn't call ahead so to speak and tell ask if he to be gone so he can break into our house. And when you look at Jesus or call him or speak of him as a thief, isn't that quite contrary to some of the pictures we have of him in the gospels? The more flattering images of Jesus, the ones that, you know, we're more familiar with. Those images like a shepherd who lovingly cares for his sheep. A parent who is always ready to welcome back a straying child. A compassionate healer. Someone who is always ready to forgive. One who calms the storms and brings peace to troubled lives. As the one who stands at the door and knocks. Those are more familiar images of Christ, aren't they? But a thief? That's not the usual way we portray Jesus. How many stained glass windows or paintings have you seen with Jesus climbing through an open window on a dark night, looking over his shoulder to see if anyone notices what he's up to? A thief is a criminal. Hardly the right way to think of Jesus. And yet, that's exactly why Jesus and the apostles use this picture. They use it to catch our attention. They use it so we stand up and take notice. To take notice because it's so important to remember that Jesus is coming back. And there could be no doubt about it. And There are the doubters. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them, suddenly as labor pains come on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. We all know a pregnant woman's going to have a baby. She, there is no escape. Just so Paul says to the doubters, you will not escape. A young boy was told by his dad that if he touched an electric fence, it would shock him. So guess what? He touched it. And then his dad said, I told you that if you touched that electric fence, it would shock you. Yeah, he said, but I didn't think he meant it. God means it. When he says, Christ is coming again. Paul says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. Isn't it easy to become so indifferent to Christ's coming again? We say it in the creed every Sunday, but, you know, we can become indifferent to it, we can become apathetic to it. Pretty soon we're spiritually asleep we need is a divine wake-up call. And then there are the players. Those Paul says, those who get drunk, get drunk at night. See, the reality is, unless Christ comes again, we're all going to die. Statistically, we're told that two people die every second. More than 6,000 die every hour. More than 150,000 die each day. And more than 57 million die each year. Players deny that fact. They think they will never die. They ignore the biblical warnings that Christ is coming again. So they have a great time. For them, life is a party. Eat, drink, and be merry. And don't worry about it. And then there are the encouragers. Paul says, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, just as in fact you are doing. Like Ephesians, Paul here uses armor imagery. And Paul shows us what's essential for our Day of the Lord preparedness kit. Paul says nothing here about canned food, about purified water, about a generator or a gun. Instead, he says we're to put on faith, love, and hope. That same triad he spoke of in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. And in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says that when life is boiled down to its absolute essentials, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Living this way encourages others. It gives them hope for Christ's return. There is a man by the name of Carl McCunn, who moved to Alaska in the late 70s. Moved there, he got himself a job, made friends, and then he planned this grand adventure. You see, he planned a five-month photography expedition into the Alaskan wild. He checked the details, prepared for everything he would need. In March of 81, he was dropped into a remote place near the Colleen River, 70 miles northeast a Port Yukon. He had two rifles, a shotgun, 1,400 pounds of supplies, 500 rolls of film. And so he began his adventure, completely unaware of a little overlooked detail that would cost him his life. You see, Carl had made no arrangements for anyone to pick him up. In August of that year, he wrote in his diary a statement, an understatement the size of Mount McKinley. He said, I think I should have used more foresight about arranging my departure. In November of 1981, he was out of food, strength, and hope. Isolated with no one to rescue him, trapped with no exit plan, he died in the Alaskan wilderness. You see, every trip comes to an end. And so will ours. Encouragers want people to have an exit strategy. And so they say their loved ones, their family members, their friends, their coworkers, anyone who listen. We don't have an arrival time. But we know that Jesus is on his way. He won't let us down. So don't be afraid, be alert, because he could come at any time. And when he comes, he will take us home. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was filled with joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about Hope Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.hopeaurora.org. Send an email to office at hopeaurora.org or call us at 303-364-7416. This has been The Word of Hope.